Firstly, I would like to welcome everybody here for this two-day uh, workshop which we have together. And in this, which is the uh, opening talk, I would like to speak a little bit about the thread and the theme of the workshop, that is of making uh, changes uh, in our life, in life itself, the whole process of decision-making which does uh, include in any full and comprehensive awareness of life both uh, inner and outer considerations. And also to give you initially the general uh, outline of the time that we have here together. And in that periods of the day, which is a pretty full as much as possible, given the hours that we have together, will include uh, periods of reflection, which we will speak to you about, small group uh, meetings, so that there is the opportunity to look more carefully and attentively, uh, collectively, into this uh, meditation and the relationship of uh, meditation to awareness and uh, decision-making. And the meditations also will include uh, instructions as well. And periods, of course, are out, outdoors for some walking and uh, a breather. And in the uh, late afternoon period, it will include uh, both uh, sitting and inquiry, and that will provide the opportunity for questions, for dialogue, and for a uh, deeper exploration into the very nature of things. And so, a day with uh, Shada and I, and a rather similar timetable tomorrow as well. In our considerations of our uh, circumstances of life, we may find ourselves at times and points in our uh, in existence in which it would appear, it would appear to us that there are changes which we need or are in the process of making in our life. It would appear to us that there are decisions which we have to consider and the consideration of changes and decisions is never, of course, uh, exclusively uh, self, a matter of self-concern or a matter of self-interest, but anything which you and I do in our life does embrace, does affect and include uh, others, both near and far, and also the world that we live in, in terms of social, environment or whatever. So a caring and human being who wishes to embrace and live a comprehensive life, well, he or she, we look at our relationship to things and say, what I do with the activities of my heart, the activities of my mind, the speech and body, can't be exclusive, can't be self, can't be just me and my existence, but has a direct influence on what happens around us. 
And so when we're giving consideration to our world that we live in, I think we can initially refute the pr concept of a private world, the, the privatization of experience that has taken place in our culture, and perhaps acknowledge more fully our world is out there. Who we are, what we are, has its ins uh, expression and its manifestation in the world itself. So a full awareness, as I say, says, yes, what I say, what I do, the changes and decisions that I make take place, and they take place, and their consequences go far and wide. Just to, as uh, Ajahn Damodaro, one of my old teachers, would say, he would take his hand, lift his hand in the air, and move his hand through the air, and he would say, this world of 84,000 different things is forever affected by one movement. Everything else has to make way for that movement. So we're looking at our life, and we're giving reflection. We're dwelling and medita meditating on our, on our existence and processes and actions. We can dwell and reflect to what's the outflow of what we do? What's the outflow? In our uh, dwelling and reflecting upon our existence and the relationship uh, to existence, I think one has to be e extraordinarily and unusually vigilant around the notion in life of the good idea. And as uh, human, human beings, we sometimes find ourselves in a, a particular moment of life, triggered in all sorts of ways with the good idea. And the good idea shows itself as an idea, of course. There is some imagination that takes place, some feeling that takes place, some perception, and particularly what accompanies it, a dwelling upon with thought. And the good idea sometimes is um, related, a common one, to one's future. To one's future. And I notice, what I may say, in, in my regular visits to, um, uh, a men, uh, to uh, the United States, and Shadra and I were just teaching on the uh, East Coast uh, just before uh, coming here, that if one has um, the mantra in um, Tibetan Buddhism of Om Mani Padmi Hung, um, I would say the mantra in the United States is back to school, back to school, back to school. And this mantra runs through the psyche with, the, I think, alarming regularity. <laughs> and so the idea comes in, inside of the imagination uh, and in, in the very social fabric in which one is uh, living. And one may have the view inside of oneself, um, my future is insecure. I can't go on living like this, whatever living like this 
means. I've never been quite understood that. <laughs> and therefore, I have to make changes uh, in my life. Um, I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not ready enough. I haven't learned enough, having been to school for 20 years or more already. And therefore, I need to be better off to feel more secure. And the way to do this is to uh, recite the mantra. <laughs> and this becomes a compelling uh, uh, focus. And I hear, this may not uh, um, uh, affect any of you here, but I hear quite uh, regularly enough that people go back to school. Here comes the, the good idea and therefore the view that goes with it through thought I'll be better off, I'll have a bigger salary, more income, more sec secure I'll be able to pay these uh, horrendous um, health bills when I get old, etc. All this is part of the good idea that comes and I hear alarming stories of people going into <coughs> debt to feel secure <laughs> and then coming out of school with five-figure debts to pay off as a contribution to feeling financially better off. And I just <laughs> haven't made the leap I, in these things. <laughs> so in looking at our relationship to life and the way of our consideration, a human being gives unusual vigilance and awareness to what is my relationship to the day. Not necessarily depriving oneself of some reflection of what the future is and one's relationship to it. That is part of human capacity and uh, human value system. But not to underestimate the potency and the power of social economic circumstances which put out a message of security through acquisition and actually provide greater insecurity. Now who's going to protest about this? Who's going to say, I need to look at my imagination, I need to look at the kind of projections that I have, and I need to examine, I'm specifying one example of course here, and I need to examine my relationship to time. And not delude myself and deceive myself that somehow security is found that way because is there any real evidence for it? If there's latent patterns to be unhappy, confused, uh, depressed, uh, feeling the lack of, it won't come by the pursuit of more. It won't come through the pursuit of more. Because the having more, whether it's more knowledge or more money or more whatever it is, will not fill the whole. The hole is too big to be filled this way. So when we're looking at our relationship, as I say, to the present, into time, and the considerations that go with it, the feeling level that you bring to the way you think about the future matters incisively. What is the feeling in relationship to? 
What's the movement of wanting in relationship to? Is, is the imagination exaggerating its, its perception, the perception, my thinking, I will be better off in this way? And sometimes those who do become, in conventional terms, better off in this way, unfortunately, have forgotten something very significant that there are others as a result of our exclusive, narrowly defined, privatized um, view of the world, deprive others. Who wants to be better off in life at the expense of? Therefore I say, not to, not to let one's imagination of the good idea become so privatized that one can't see beyond it. Some of the decisions which we make, and we, ha we will have the opportunity in our meditations as well as reflection here, actually are not so dramatic in a way as the intensity of the perceptions sometimes indicates to us. But sometimes there are decisions which are being made and changes which are going on in our life which actually have a genuine, significant consideration for ourselves, if not for others. So if some of you, and, I'm, and at the end of this talk I will ask for a, a few random uh, examples and illustrations from you, uh, why you have um, come to spend a couple of days, if you wish you may like, like to uh, relate to others in the hall here your reasons or some of the reasons that bring you into this kind of event that we are having. And as I say, sometimes things which we hype up inside of ourselves as being significantly uh, important may not actually be half as important as we imagine. And so sometimes we can go on um, about some area of our life, we can get into a kind of cycle with ourselves of constant complaining and uh, agitation. And then whenever um, we meet somebody else and they are unfortunate enough to bump into us in some cir <laughs> circumstances, we can't um, wait to unload the problems of our life the decisions of our life, the changes of, of, of our life. And by the time this person <laughs> leaves, they feel so utterly exhausted and, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, drained that they had to go and talk to somebody else about <laughs> this. <laughs> if not, go on a retreat. <laughs> so, with the relationship too, making changes and making d uh, decisions in our life, we can, in that, uh, and the necessity of that and part of the purpose here is to talk and share about these things. But I think one thing which is vital in all of that is, I hesitate to use the word uh, un underlying, but is a kind of underlying um, awareness which is necessary, and that is, actually, Am I interested in making changes? Just rabbiting on 
morning, noon and night in our brain cells about something I need to do, or um, going on um, to uh, some, somebody else about it mor morning, noon and night and persecuting them with one's uh, thoughts. <laughs> is, is no, in, no indicator whatsoever that one is interested in making changes in one's life. <laughs> one can go to the therapist, you know, five um, mornings a week <laughs> and, and do one of those horrendous three-month retreats at Barry, but it doesn't mean to say that one is really interested in the process of change and decision. And sometimes wonderful three-month retreats at Barry, I should s say that as well. <laughs> <coughs> So, the actual outpouring which takes place from a human being about a certain circumstance or series of them in one's life, no matter how much charge and conviction, doesn't indicate that there is any serious wish for transformation or change. And let's not fudge ourselves with it. Sometimes, as I mentioned, that in the area of um, changes and decisions in one's life, sometimes it's a, little, it's a little bit more closer to what we might call the edge of things. And uh, a clear example of this, which was given to me um, a, a few weeks ago by a, uh, a friend, <coughs> he uh, has, um, has uh, AIDS and he has two um, personal physicians and has uh, much trust and confidence uh, in both of them. He has felt that through his uh, meetings with them and the decisions that have come from that, that it has uh, contributed significantly to his welfare, as well as the regular uh, contact with the spiritual uh, community, as well as uh, meditation processes, diet, and all that goes with it to give uh, support to consciousness which uh, can sometimes, and perhaps daily, touch the edge in ways uh, that those of us here who feel uh, healthy um, may, may only ever really touch upon in such an acute way from time to time in our life. And then he said to me, then in our meetings, one personal physician said to him that the course of um, AZT, the course of medication which he was on, that he should, uh, and other uh, drugs, he should uh, continue using them and not stop uh, the use of them. They, they were giving support to his uh, life. It was a vital uh, process and no uh, chemical usage was not something which either that doctor or uh, my friend wished to, con uh, to use, but the physician said it was vital there, despite a lot of public debate which was taking place. His other physician, whose view and opinion he valued equally, said to him, you must come off all of this medication. It's the medication which is killing you and this is destroying your immune system and is speeding up the process there. One with as clear a conviction as possible to continue to protect his life, the other 
equally convinced that uh, the medication which he was on and had been uh, on was actually taking his life. And as this friend said to me, I have a decision to make. And the, and the final decision, so to speak, rests with me. What do, who do I listen to? And he says it's like that kind of decision in which one sense that there's the possibility that, one's, that the decision one uh, makes affects one's life and its continuity and, and any kind of suffering that may be the outcome. So I use that as a particular uh, example of decision-making, um, partly because of the, the, the significance uh, of that, and there are others here who at times, and all of us who are involved in work, intimate work with other human beings, are part of the process, in fact, of decision-making, which means making contributing to making changes in other uh, people's lives, very directly or indirectly. And I do think that's part of the uh, area and of work and responsibility. So that when here we are talking about uh, decisions, changes in one's life, we're not just referring to our own existence. It would be far too narrow a view and perception. But actually, what are the changes which we are employed in, engaged in our life, which is directly affecting others. Where does the authority for this come from? Where does the sense of duty for this come from? Do we, or have we privatized that so much, we say, well, I don't make any decisions, I just dis talk, I just discuss with, and in fact, perhaps deny or ignore the influence that we have, the leanings that we have, the biases that we have. When we're working with another person or persons, and directly or indirectly, what we say will affect their life and decisions will be influenced by our activities. Just as obvious as it is to, from parents to children, just equally to me it is obvious for those of us who work and influence others. So there in the total process, we're only concerned with the total, total process, looking at ourselves and ourselves in relationship to other, what kind of influence do we have, what ways does that show itself? And the Dharma teachings, spiritual teachings such as you, re you receive here and elsewhere, our teachings and those teachings have one single purpose in mind to change your life to question things to inquire to meditate on the truths of life to to go deeply into things <coughs> which means that there is that flow of teachings has an aim for you to be different, for the speaker to be different, for things to unfold in fresh ways to open up the perception. Life is out there, unprivatized. One of the features of making changes in our life 
is that it's packed with assumptions already. The very idea of making changes is taking a position which one believes to be the truth of the matter and in that making a change that one will go from being in some particular way to being in another way. And that may be for oneself or for circumstances, social, environmental, political, economic, spiritual or whatever. In that one is speaking very explicitly really of the relative truth of things and teachings, spiritual teachings, when giving consideration to life and the processes of life from a human standpoint, it's rather important if you can uh, keep your attention here, but if you can't, well, never mind. So, <laughs> that there's a position which one has. This position says in some way or other, if we use it in a personal terms for a moment, I am like this, this is how I am, this is my situation at the present time and by making a change from this to that, that change will indicate that in some way or other there's some benefit from the change. And this may be in genuine terms from the human experience at the relative truth of life. I am like this, or the situation is like this, I, I, I bring in some factors, I'm very clear, whoever I am, I'm very clear that making this changes, that if I'm sincerely interested, something has to come in to make the changes. Just thinking, as I said earlier, is no assurance of change which is taking place. So in my experience of making changes from one to another, I look at the conditions, and I say, well, what in fact will need to come in to make the change? Regardless of what I think, regardless of what I talk about, regardless of what I say, the teachings, relative truth, remember, conventional here, changes will occur anyway. Because why? <laughs> Life is a coming and a going. It will go on anyway. That going on we call the process of life, we call in Buddhist terms uh, change and impermanence. We call it in the uh, New Age rhetoric going with the flow. Um, so, so one says, I engage in this, I engage in that, and to make a decision, to make a change, what I'm saying is, I want to put in something more than what's actually happening. Understand? The change is going to go on anyway, because the whole flow and vibrancy of life is, is such that it keeps revealing change. So when I say I want to make a change, I, want to, I come to an awareness and I want to add something more to the process of change, which is a human right to do, I want to add something more to the process of change to make the change happen in a way which feels beneficial for myself, for others, for circumstances or whatever. I want to bring something else into it. Therefore, if I'm serious about change, I'm going to be asking, not only myself, because 
we can't rely on ourselves as knowing it all, thank goodness. And therefore, I may have to explore with others or other, somewhere other, to make the change happen. What is it that I will need to bring in to bring about the change which I wish? Change will go on anyway. What, what are the factors? If I'm serious, I will bring those in. Find ways to do that. Sometimes, because of this obsession with um, Joyce and other matters, which I don't want to touch on uh, uh, for the moment, though I'm sorely tempted, <laughs> that sometimes in the world of changes, as I say, quite often in the looking and wondering about change, sometimes we use the language of choice. And many of the things which we hype up about are just so utterly trivial, beyond mind's belief, that we can build up situation about deciding something and get into an incredible hype about it. One could spend one's whole day wandering around Marin looking for a certain pair of sandals and not being able to de decide what one's going to choose. <laughs> and there are people, as you know, who've succeeded in making a lifestyle out of this. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if it was just in Marin, but it's a quite a global phenomena. So again, when we're lo looking at decision-making and the preoccupation that takes place through the five senses. What we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste and what we touch. Let's look extremely carefully at this and let's say, am I in fact simply a servant of economic forces? Some things in life are so bare of insignificance. And yet, in decision, we can make it build up. And sometimes, as I say, it's through the preoccupation, if not obsessing over making a decision, which is just what I see, hear, smell, taste or touch. What a way to live. What a waste of an existence. So, uh, being ruthless, if not tough, with ourselves uh, in these matter may, you know, willing to let go of, the, of that kind of preoccupation and generating a little bit more spaciousness in ourselves, doesn't mean that decision-making will stop and we'll just kind of um, get into that, the rhetoric of being in the flow and all of that. But rather, what matters? What really matters? How is our relationship to what matters? Have we ever stopped in our life and been firm with ourselves? Well, what really matters in life? What, I'm what am I seriously and, and in a dedicated way really interested 
in finding out, in discovering, in changing, in deciding. So that you and I and others, so that we're not just swept along on social forces in the name of choices and decisions and making changes in our life. We've stopped for a moment, we've anchored ourselves on the meditation cushion or in the nature of things and said, hey, what actually matters? What is genuinely significant? And it may not be in those decisions of our day-to-day -day life. That may not be the area where the significant decision-making is just that we've got socialized into thinking that way. And I say there are things which we are socialized into thinking and the relative truth and the conventional truth which don't even give a whisper of something much more significant, ultimate truth of things or however we want to talk about it. So as I say, sometimes in our experience our life, we say to ourselves, I need to make changes. Spiritual language has said the importance of changes for, uh, the, for a human being um, can be indicated and reflected and shown in particular ways. Changes would be to be less selfish to be less egotistical, less aggressive, less violent, less confused, less, less fearful, less uh, anxious. So changes which somehow reflect that. Changes which are given consideration into spiritual life, of course, embrace heart opening. Whereas, what are the changes in one's life that will generate out of one's being a greater love for this earth and its suffering situation? What are the changes that will bring out of our hearts a, a compassion and a, a focus which will reflect that compassion? What are the changes in our life which will bring out a genuine, natural sense of joy in our daily life? So that one of the great contributions that we can give to life and to liberation and an enlightened life is being happy human beings with what is our day-to-day -day circumstance. And therefore an important message for those who are suffering in sometimes in the midst of plenty. You know, looking at what the changes are in our life, what are the changes which we can make to genuinely discovering what insight means, what realization means, what the depth of silence and stillness is? What are the changes that, and decisions that we can make in our life in which one's activities genuinely show and authoritatively reveal others matter as much as oneself because we're all in it together? What are the changes and decisions in our life in which we can realize and discover what an enlightened life is? What an, what an awakened existence is? And I say that if we have those areas, or whatever way you may phrase it in your own language, those as our genuine authority and our genuine concern and priority, I believe 
The other areas of decision-making with regard to past, present and future will be some kind of reflection of the deeper questions of life. And if one's got a profound daily philosophy of life and the best meaning of philosophy, an experiential inquiry into life, one wants to look into the truth of life no matter what. Then out of that, the decisions and the actions and the gestures will manifest it. The truth of life will come through in a way which will affect beneficially our whole process of who we are, what we are, and what we are doing with our life. If we haven't got that right, if that isn't clarified within ourselves, we'll, we will continue fussing and fretting over minor decisions in our life about past, present and future and our views of that. And part of the reason we're fussing and fretting over it because we aren't realizing something which is of greater and more profound significance. Get the heart of the matter right and the rest will come by itself. Get the heart of the matter right and we're no security here and now. Get the heart of the matter right and we'll know what it is living with trust and awareness and being very pragmatic and practical about it in the day-to-day -day circumstances. So I think we have here today in our time and our day here together some uh, opportunity here to look into these things to, together. And for some, sometimes that ti the time such as this of opportunity and looking into things together has uh, with it a kind of palpable sense that if, we've, if we listen as carefully as possible to other human beings, if we listen as carefully as possible to our own life and our own inner life and we bring the resources together, something beautiful can flower out of it which quite often the mind, preoccupied with obsessing and over, can't see. And therefore I say sometimes, we just need to remember and need to remind ourselves that in, in the way of being, the processes of change go on anyway. The decision-making, in a way, is going on anyway. Life is moving on anyway. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves about that so that we don't exaggerate the place of me and my life, me and my choices, me and my decisions which are being made. In one of the... I may just conclude here. In the spiritual uh, mystical tradition, there's... Uh, always has been a tremendous exploration in the deeper sense of the relationship to the conventional truths of your life, my life, our day-to-day -day issues, our day-to-day -day experiences, and that which I would call ultimate, that which is immensity. One of the mystics was asked, what place does prayer have in the relationship to change and decision-making? And it is not unusual for uh, human beings who feel a devotion 
to that which is immense, whatever name, word, or description that we may have. That in times of difficulty, for oneself or others, that, that there can be a, a heartfelt response, a touch from something deeper, which, as it were, looks beyond oneself, almost beyond one's circle, one's friends, to something larger, to somehow respond to something deeper inside of oneself. In the conventional language, the devotee praying to God, looking to God for trust, for guidance. And some, and that maybe includes some of you here, do feel quite comfortable and relaxed in that kind of framework, that description or whatever, and others may not relate to uh, uh, it at all. One of the mystics was asked about this relationship of prayer to the divine, whatever you want to say. And his uh, response to it was, whether you pray or whether you don't, doesn't make any difference. And the uh, person, the spiritual student, who was asking the question, was somewhat alarmed. But you, you are a, a mystic, you have a close relationship with God, and you, you, you pray, you lead us in prayer. How can you actually say it doesn't make any difference? And then he said, when I say it doesn't make any difference, it doesn't mean I want to stop you from praying. But when there is some prayer, when there is some movement towards something which is a relative human experience to something vast, like called God, what tends to happen with that is that one, in one's movement of one's heart, in one's thought, in one's devotional mode, one is looking for a resolution or an answer in one's time, as quickly as possible. That makes the problem. Whereas, when one is engaged in a devotional relationship, for those who are, who are of that, one never knows what the outcome will be. So for some, and including some people here, to expand a little here, it might be at times in one's life, particularly in difficult periods of life where there's some confusion and uncertainty, and one isn't being able to receive any kind of spiritual nourishment or support from others, or emotional or whatever, and one's heart turns in a devotional way, one doesn't know what the effect of that is. And for some, the outcome is unforeseen. <coughs> Can we live with that? Can we live with that? That no matter what way we explore making of decisions or coming to resolution of things or making changes in our life, no matter how much we may bring for that to happen for us in life, there is no assurance and life doesn't promise nor guarantee you, nor I, nor anybody on earth the outcome which we anticipate. Doesn't that bring surely a little bit of humility? 
no matter what we introduce, no matter what we bring about, no matter how well and skillfully we explore through spiritual and emotional and reflective and uh, communal ways, never an assurance of the outcome will be as we anticipated because life doesn't lie in our hands. Thank goodness. <laughs> and similarly, though one may explore, not in a devotional way, and one may say, my dwell I'm not a devotional kind of person. I just couldn't imagine myself praying to God or using that way. And one may use the way of meditation, of silences, of being here and now, of grounding oneself, which is another way of saying, all my thinking about the past and the present and the future isn't serving the deeper interests. Same thing as the devotee says. All my dwelling, all my trying to work it out isn't serving the deeper interest. And meditation is saying to us in exactly the same way my silences and my stillnesses is in a way to say my mind can't work it out. Therefore what comes must come from a different way altogether. It's the same story. And there is a humility then for you and I as a human being, say, my mind can't organize it, can't work it out, can't fix it, can't have it as I would like, therefore let me meditate. Therefore let me be silent, let me be still, let me be unknowing, let me be humble in the presence of the here and now. And then in another way which I can't work out, something can flower from it, something can come. Where from? How? Why? What was the source? What was the background? What makes that? One doesn't know, but the testimony is of men and women who sit on this earth and in their silence, in our stillness, in our uh, here and now, in the immediacy, say something happens there which does something and there is some outcome. But nevertheless, no assurance no guarantee, no promise, no knowing what that will be. Therefore, spiritual teachings and an enlightened life, of course, give endorsement to reflection, endorsement to the whole world of decisions, endorsement to making changes in our life and giving support to each other because we've asked what the, what the significant ones are and yet can't control it. Too big for us to comprehend. Too big for us to work out. Then we can understand what a realized life is. Well, conventionally doing what we do, making the changes that we make, making the decisions that we make, yet not feeling oneself is confined therein. May all beings live in peace. May all beings live in harmony. May all beings live in peace and harmony. So let's just uh, sit together for 
uh, a few minutes, just for five minutes or so. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.